0: Hello and welcome to the ELO Network podcast. This podcast
1: is a recording of a presentation from the ELO Forum in Vancouver from November 2022. This session was presented by Graham Carter, co-founder and principal of Vertex Developments. Graham discussed who is asking you the tough questions. Who in here has ever raised venture capital for their business? Got a few hands going up. So I remember as a young entrepreneur, walking down Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley, you know, not really knowing what I was doing, trying to raise venture capital. So one of the key things when you do a fancy PowerPoint and you want to raise venture capital is you have to start to think about, like kind of what Doug was talking about, what's the end of your business? How are you going to value it? What's the multiple? How are you going to sell it? How are you going to exit? Now, generally, when you're founding a business, you have no idea. Really, you have no idea. But um, all the VCs expect you to have this multiple and some kind of blue sky with the, you know, the big rocket curve. So today we're going to talk about that a little bit in our personal lives. Do you have the end of your life in mind now? How are you going to exit this planet? So this is something for me that I started to think about through, uh, you know, COVID, maybe a bit before COVID, you know, around we heard about purpose. What's my purpose? You know, made some money, got a platform. What do I do with it all? And, um, you know, Paul in the Bible talks about how life is a race, but it's not just any race. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. We all know business people, pastors, politicians, sports people who don't make it to the end. They fizzle out. You, can name, you could name them for hours as people who haven't made it to the end. And sure, God has redeeming, you know, there's a redemption in, in our faith. But how do we set ourselves up for that exit? Well, um, so we're going to do a Q&A about who's asking tough questions, but two key things I think uh, that come out of that question for me uh, was um, about, you know, two A's, authenticity and accountability. So authenticity is an interesting one. When I was a kid in the 90s, I, used to, I, I still love basketball, and I always wanted to get Air Jordan shoes. So back in the 90s, Air Jordans, the whole idea about authenticity was, are they real Air, Air Jordans or are they fakes? Fast forward to today, actually with your company, there's some huge brand surveys about companies being authentic. And buyers actually will go and they'll resonate and buy from companies that they see as aligned with their values and are authentic and true to their values. So There's an interesting nugget in there. But I use the analogy of uh, two spoons. Um, I don't have any spoons today, but you can imagine one on this side is silver, the one on this side is silver plated. So you have two spoons, maybe use them in the kitchen, maybe you have a toddler who throws them around the house, maybe they go in the dishwasher. Right, over time, they're both going to end up dented, they're both going to end up maybe a bit banged up, well used, but at the end of the day, you can tell the silver one because it's still silver. The silver plated one has maybe, it's tarnished a little bit, maybe it's chipped off a little bit. So that's why I like to think about authenticity, be the silver spoon. Um, the second one we're going to talk about uh, with Rick in the Q&A is around accountability. So for me, you know, business can be very lonely. Um, when we run a business, we grow a business, we scale, we sell. You know, sometimes even our spouse can't really understand some of the stuff that we've got to go through. We heard about you know, office use and about you know, there's all these payroll questions and you know, cash flow and all this stuff with you know, systemizing our businesses. Um, so I found in my life, it's been really, really important to have people that can speak into my life, but they actually understand my worldview as well. Like, where am I coming from from my business? And so, you know, the peer groups like Rick was talking about with ELO, for me, has been very valuable because I can actually have, you know, there's accountability. You can kind of iron sharpens iron a little bit, but really it allows you a place that somebody can ask you questions. Why aren't you thinking about this? Why aren't you doing that? And actually, um, you know, you get to show up the next month and say, hey, look what I did. I actually did this stuff because you, you all heard the analogy with the stock market, right? On average, people buy high and sell low. Why? That's the opposite of what you should do. And in business, most people have a fancy business plan, but don't actually do the work to get there. So let's, you know, we've got to execute. So how do you, be, how do you make sure you execute is to be driven, but also to be accountable to people around you. So I'm gonna leave it there and we're gonna get into a Q&A.
0: We want to have this session because what i found over the years is that this whole topic is one that I've rarely ever seen addressed, and yet it's so sorely needed. This whole notion of people needing, whether it's a mentor, a coach, an advisor, wise counsel, and then the question is, well, if it's so valuable, why don't people do it? Now, it's interesting because uh, Ken talked quite openly about having a coach. Now, some people think, oh, if I have a coach, that means I'm not good at something, or, I'm, or it's a weakness. Well, Ken talked quite openly about having a coach. Many of the people we know who are extraordinarily successful, they all have coaches, mentors, advisors. So we know it's very important. So what we want to talk about is the dynamic of having people you work with and also the types of questions they ask. One thing that I think is so critical is who's asking you questions that nobody else would ask, and what are those questions? So, Graham, maybe you can just... Give a bit of your background. I just want to provide a bit of context because Graham's been quite successful. You know, he's won a 40 under 40 and had a lot of success, you know, relatively early. Who's, who's, describe what you've done, but also, like, who has been there for you in your journey up until now? Um,
1: so I'm a big believer, like, in having people speak into my life, A, who I want to be like. There's a lot of people that, you know, where's the fruit in their life. And so for me, I've been very, very intentional about who I allow to speak into my business and my personal life. Because if they don't have a business that I want, if they're not, you know, making the profit that I want, if they don't have the marriage that I want, they're not speaking into my life. So I think being very selective. So for me, um, you know, in the early days, it was my absolutely my wife. You talked about, uh, I think Doug was saying, you know, God's voice and his wife's voice sound very similar. Well... You know, <laughs> absolutely. But it comes a point in business where your wife maybe doesn't understand sometimes or your spouse doesn't really understand what you're going through. So um, for us, what we did uh, as young entrepreneurs, actually, is we set up an advisory board. Now, hmm. at this time, uh, they weren't all Christians. And probably today I'd have Christian people in that position. But we actually, um, we were in the power industry and we were building a consulting business. So we're like, who in Vancouver would we want to have on our, on our advisory board? And you know, we listed off the next ceo of BC Hydro, and a banker, and whatever else. And so we kind of picked some people out, and guess what we did? We phoned them. And in the village of Vancouver, you can phone anyone. And, so, and actually, all, everybody that we picked, and we, we found out on our website, and we called them, they all said, yes, that they'd come and help us.
0: So I've got to stop you there, because it's quite interesting. A lot of times, people think they've taken the initiative... By sending an email. It's quite almost comical. You didn't think that, you know, you know, you can actually talk to somebody with one of these things. It's actually quite amazing. But people, it's it's like, I don't want to say the coward's way out, but it's a little bit like that. Just have the guts and phone the person. Your
1: business is all about relationship and you all do business with people that
0: you want to do a relationship with. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Thank you. I think we're sort of getting to the ha- the afternoon. It's uh... yeah. We'll get a whoop whoop soon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah,
1: yeah. so for me, uh, you know, business-wise, we had that advisory group. And I kind of alluded in my, my opening. But we had a list of things that we would do. The next month, we show up, and we've actually done the things. And everyone's like, what? You actually did what you, you know these, these are the five things that you want to work on this month? We actually worked on those things. And that provided accountability for us. and you know, that really helped propel us because they said, you know, we talk to so many young entrepreneurs and most of them don't actually do what they plan to do. They do other things. And so, you know, I think, you know, sticking to having a plan and of course entrepreneurship is very strategic, but it's also very opportunistic. Things come along, but, and it's okay to change and that word pivot's been overused, but pivoting, right? It's -hmm. it's, it's fine.
0: But I think having a plan and sticking to the plan is really, really key. So from a practical takeaway standpoint, would you say if you want advisors, mentors, people that speak into your life, you need to take the initiative.
1: 100%. They're not going to come to you. You've got to go and seek it out for yourself. Mm. And, you know, the key thing is, what's the fruit in their life? Don't allow anyone to speak into your life. Be very protective of who speaks into it. Um, obviously, you want to have a Christian worldview, but make sure that that person has the fruit that you want. Mm-hmm.
0: So an interesting dynamic of looking for mentors or wise counsel, can you have a selection of people who exhibit different traits who could all be speaking into your life. So what I mean by that is maybe there's someone who you admire a certain quality in them. Maybe they're very, you know, they've got really good discernment or good judgment. But then there's maybe somebody else who has some other quality, spiritual disciplines. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, I have to find a person. But in your experience, would it be, well, there's actually a range of people I might look look to. 100%. Like,
1: well... 100% 100% and, and no. Yes and no is the answer. So I'm a big believer for me myself. You know, you know these self-help people, they all talk about, um, you know, improving the areas where you're weak in, and I don't believe in that philosophy at all, okay? I believe in actually working on your strengths and getting better at your strengths and getting people in your organisation to support you in the places that you're weak. Um, yeah. So... Don't spend your time spinning your wheels trying to improve something that you're not good at. Get somebody to help you. and kind of systemizing and focus on what you're good at, Mm. and that helps propel you forward. So for me, I had a business partner who we're complete polar opposites on the spectrum of Mm. personality style, and creates a lot of friction sometimes, but actually it was the best thing I could ever do because he's strong in areas that I'm weak and I'm strong in areas that he's weak. And so I think picking those areas you want to improve, definitely pick someone who's the best in that area. You don't need one. One person can't do it all. So absolutely having a range of people and whether they meet together as a or in a peer advisory group or as a mentorship group, either have them meet together or meet one-on-one, but absolutely pick the best person in your life for
0: that specific thing. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think the challenge is for people? Because it seems that's a bit of an obvious thing to do that would be valuable, but for a lot of people, they might say, well, I don't actually know the people like how do I find the people or, or what's a practical plan like if somebody was sitting here thinking yes I, I need some input where do I find those people how do, how do I even start well Rick knows everybody so just ask, ask Rick yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, in all seriousness like find out who's the best like if you know you want to be better at sales or you know you want to be better at your quiet times in your life whatever it might be you're better at your marriage Find out who's best in that area in your world. Like, get on LinkedIn, get on Google, and find them, and then ask them. Like, I don't. This is not rocket science. It's about being proactive. And I think we've got to take responsibility for where we end up at the end of our life. No one's going to be at your funeral saying whatever you want them to say about you unless you're proactive and intentional about getting there. Um, the other thing I'd say is, as Christians, I believe we have an unfair advantage. We have the Holy Spirit, and that still small voice is really important, right? So. When you have people that you're, you're talking to about maybe mentoring you, use that still small voice that we have,
0: and uh, that gives you an unfair advantage to picking those people that would be the most beneficial. So you made an interesting point about you know, people you respect who can speak into your life. So have you had the experience where someone's volunteered something, some advice to you, but you haven't... You, it's like the wrong person's volunteered advice, somebody you don't respect, and then how did you handle that? Um,
1: the, the story I can think of is actually is that in that um, advisory group when we first started our first company Trevor and I my business partner one guy stood in the meeting and said if you guys want to be successful entrepreneurs one of your marriages is going to fail and he said that's just the fact it's the stats da 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 and so guess what he wasn't at the next meeting <laughs> because we're like well that's not a, that's not a non-starter for us we want our you know our marriages are going to thrive through our entrepreneurship journey um, and generally they have. So um, I think it's about, again, it's that discernment of the Holy Spirit. I think it's, you know, we're all smart people in the room. We, we can all figure out that this person's adding value or not adding value. Um, you know, I thing I guess as a young entrepreneur, what I was thinking about I was worried about paying these people. Like, I don't have money. I'm st- a start-up company. I don't have money. I am a start company i do not have money i can not pay them a monthly fee to be... We didn't pay one cent. These people were happy to do it because they're generally older generation, and they wanted to give back to the young entrepreneurs and wanted to invest. And so, um, you know... Not that, I, not that everyone will be do it for free, but for us, we didn't pay a cent, and it was
0: so valuable to us. Do you think that there's a way to get good mentorship? Now, the reason I think of this is because at universities, you know, I've been part of a few universities, and it's interesting that there's been meetings that were set up where the person being mentored forgot to show up to the meeting with the mentor, or didn't see the value. They, they were advised it was good, but In other words, there was a a miscommunication right from the get-go. So in other words, the person who was told the information would be good to get didn't actually quite appreciate someone who's in their 50s or 60s who's quite successful, whose time is very, very scripted, taking off an hour and a half to meet the person at the coffee shop, and then the person either doesn't show up or shows up late. Um. I think there's a bit of a
1: maturity question in there, maybe. Um, And, you know, I think we all, as entrepreneurs, we all struggle with, well, as people, I guess, we all struggle with pride, right? And we have to get to a place where we know that we don't know it all and that we need support along our journey. Like, you think about an athlete who runs the marathon at the Olympics. There's a whole principle of people around them, the gear gear people, the nutrition people, the fitness trainers. Like, it's not just one guy winning the gold medal. There's all these people behind them. So I think when you get to that place, when we realise that then, you know, that can really help us to, to propel, because, you know, you don't want to do this alone. Like, businesses, this has been done successfully many, many times before, many people before us, so why reinvent the wheel and do it all on your own? It doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, I think from a pride standpoint, I always think of this example a number of years ago when Tiger Woods was in his prime. I remember reading about his swing coach, and I remember thinking, why does Tiger Woods need a swing coach? And, of course, they gave the name of this fellow. I don't remember the name. It was somebody I'd never heard of and probably a name that nobody's heard of. Yet here he is at the peak of his golfing prowess, you know, on top of the world, and he's got some guy who's a swing coach. So obviously people who are that good recognize that they need, they need the help. So one, one question here. You talk of improving your strengths. What do you believe have been, has been your key strength that has led you to being successful in your business ventures? Um, so for
1: me, I'm, all, I'm the big vision guy. I'm the guy who'll go and charge the hill. Let's get a plan. Let's, you know, what, what could we do? Let's not limit ourselves by money, resources, time. And what could we do? But what I'm weak at is in the execution piece that comes along behind that. So my business partner, he's the execution guy. So I can go and put a plan together, go and find the investors, go and find the projects, go and kind of map it all out but then I have to have somebody to support me on the back end. Um, so And that's what I recognize. And so now as I've got more mature in business, that's what we do is I, I go and charge the hill and kind of come up with a plan and then have a team around me to support that. Um, you know, I think the, um, the peer groups that, like I'm part of an ELO peer group, which has been great. Um, you know, th- I, there's people in that group that maybe, again, it wouldn't be people that I'd hang out with on a, Every, everyday basis, and we have different personalities, but that's where there's richness, I think, when you come together with a common goal and common purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially getting different perspectives. So, so let's look at some of these tough questions. So if you think... So as we go through some of these questions, maybe you can ask yourself, well, has someone asked me that question, and who would I accept that question from? Like who, who would I actually confide in regarding this question? And I'll just pose a question, and then, Graham, if you can give your perspective on, on the value of the question and, and how it might be addressed. So what is something in your personal life that is impacting your work performance? So if it's just all that you thought of that. So you go to work, you do your job, you're with a bunch of people, but what what is there actually, is there something that's this, this burden, this burden in your mind or something that's you know clouding your your thoughts that's you just can't get out of your head, so when you think of that question, is that something like is you find that a useful question, and how do you how do you deal with it because you're doing a lot of business but you're married, you got kids you're doing a whole whole bunch of other stuff non business related yeah that's a
1: look, we all have, we all bring things to the office on a monday morning from our weekend from whatever happened right and um so for me, it's a very relevant. Like, we all have got stuff going on that outside of the work hours. So I think, especially the younger generation, they're much better at maybe bringing that into the office, whereas the older generation maybe puts it pushes it aside. But one day it'll come out. So, you know, for me personally, you know, my wife's had some health stuff over the last couple of years, and so that's always been in the back of my mind when I'm doing stuff at work is, you know, how is she doing, what's going on with it? Um, so I think it's that's a really, really important question because what is it that's limiting you from doing, achieving what it is that you need to be achieving today at, at the desk.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and this, this fellow that I mentioned before who was going through this divorce, I mean, this was, you could just see, you know, maybe you've had this experience where you're working with somebody at the office or you're collaborating with somebody and you can see from the look on their face that, I mean, there's clearly something troubling them and they're not zoning in. So it's quite interesting from a Christian standpoint. So what I've found over the years is, it's quite fascinating. Most people, if you ask them one or two questions, you're into it for an hour-long conversation or a listening session. So I, I've just been uh, continually amazed that, uh, at the, the things that people really have a need to talk about, one, the need to talk about, and secondly, no venue to talk, about, to, talk to anybody about it with. Like, it's
1: quite fascinating. Well, uh, I was at Oxford, actually, at the program, which was great, by the way. Great plug. But John Lennox said something interesting, and he said, if you want to be interesting, be interested. So ask questions until somebody asks you a question. And so, again, in sales, we all learn about asking open-ended questions, right? Questions that don't have a yes-no answer. Who, what, why questions. So with your staff, same thing. Be interested in your staff. Like, again... um, as a CEO or as an as a executive, maybe you don't have the authority to speak into somebody at you a know, different level in the organization. You, know, you think of the, the layers of the onion, right? There's different people in your life or you have the right to speak into their lives, but just be interested in people and ask them questions and you'd be surprised what they tell you. It's pretty well, incredible.
0: Well, there's a, there was a recent study I read. They talked about the notion of a caring culture. So if you thought of your company and yourself as a leader in the company, would someone say, you're a caring leader and it's a caring culture. I thought you said Karen there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you think like like is there that view of the company that because if you thought you're working at a company and if you really thought no one really cares about me or what I'm going through, that's that's not a big big draw for a business. Well, it's
1: the same with your customers too, right? Your customer does you know there's that saying no one knows cares about how much you know until they know how much you care. And so, do you care mm-hmm. for your customers? Like, you know, sales 101, it's not about selling something to somebody that they don't want, it's about finding fit. And so, it's the same idea, right, is go to your customers, open any questions.
0: Everyone wants mm-hmm. to do business with people that they like and respect and trust, and so that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So, so here's another question, question to think about. So think about this question, and who could actually ask you this, and, and where you would accept them asking and actually give a serious answer. So, are you practicing spiritual disciplines? So, Doug's mentioned listening prayer, but you know, is there someone who would say to you, "Well, do you practice, uh, you know, prayer? Are you actually reading the Bible? Are you giving prayerful reflection to things?" And if somebody actually not challenged you, but just sort of prodded you. You know how many how many people in here have ever been asked that question? Well, most of us are never asked that question because we'd say, well, it's none you know it's none of your business, and why would I tell you like you're some random you know like like why I don't have to answer anybody? Well, so from a mentoring standpoint, so if you think about it, that's quite an interesting question. So it, really deep down, like what is the true answer? And if you had somebody in a, a mentoring or advisory relationship, they go, well, look you know cut the nonsense just give me the real answer and nobody's judging anybody it's just interesting because a lot of people are running on fumes yep
1: especially after covid right yeah that's a question like so for me a a little bit of my another story again ken's the expert on purpose but i you know grew some companies sold some companies won some awards did all this great stuff fantastic what do i do with this all like what is my purpose what is i've got this platform what do i do with it right so I started doing some speaking, some other stuff. It's all great, but I struggle with this. You know, you have got uh, Rick Warren with his uh, Purpose Driven Life book, and there's all these, mm-hmm. "What's my purpose?" And coming full circle, this is a, you know, three, three years of journey. But I realize, as a believer, my I only have one purpose. That's to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If I get to the end of my life and I've done that, I've won. I've won the race. Nothing else. Now, sure, I've got gifts and talents, and I want to use them, and and. and mm-hmm. But everything else. After that is a bonus, and, and God will use you, but you just focus on that, and everything else comes out of that. Like, it's quite incredible how you get to that
0: place and just focus on your relationship with the Lord. That, that's what matters. hmm yeah. So, great. So, another good question is, if someone asks you, are you living out your calling? So, of course, that would presuppose, you know what your calling is, and Ken talked about it a lot in terms of purpose. So then the question would be, are you crystal clear on your calling? What I found over the years is that if you're not clear on your calling, it definitely disintegrates your effectiveness. It's like anything. If, if you're not clear on it, you're not going to be as effective as you otherwise would be. So your sense of calling should be, in a sense, uh, a tool to determine what you should and should not do. Like if you're clear on your calling, it's very obvious why you shouldn't get involved in this not in that you can make decisions instantly yeah i mean how many people have a vision statement for their life right have
1: you written one down vision mission we have them for our companies do you have one personally um you know i got hung up on the calling purpose thing and you know i got to this place of let's put the lord first and figure that out first um but absolutely like in your business, you have a business plan. Does this align with our values? Does this align with our plan? Yes or no? Decisions get really easy to make after that. So if we know what our calling is, what our purpose is, uh, we have a plan. We know how we want to end. Um, decisions get really easy to make, and actually they're not that hard. Because mm-hmm. it does it align with it or does it not? Mm-hmm. So I think um, accountability in our culture is definitely lacking, in my opinion. And I think there's so much wisdom in this room alone with these fantastic businesses, people represented here, companies. And I'd I'd gather a guess that most people here would be willing to share (laughs) their experience. And so use the resource that you have, like, you know, whether it's through an ELO peer group, another peer group, where you set up your own mentorship group with a couple of key people. Like, use the people around you because God's put them in in your life for a reason. And you're not meant to do this alone. And business can be very lonely.
0: Mm -hmm. So another really interesting question is, so again, if you think of somebody, like a, of you answering this question and also who might throw this at you, so is there a contradiction between what you say your calling is and what you're actually doing? Not to say somebody's going to call you a hypocrite, but just is there is there a gap between here's what I say is important and here's what I'm actually doing? Now the reason I, I throw that out there is because I read a really good book recently, it's by a guy called Arthur Brooks, it's from strength to strength, finding your purpose and meaning in in life, and he's a Christian guy based at Harvard. So it's really interesting, he talks about how you define workaholism, and what I find really fascinating is how you, now we might all answer ourselves a certain way, key thing is, ask somebody else whether they think you're a workaholic, like don't answer it yourself. Because you're going to answer, well, no, of course not. That's, it's not a good thing. Work is important, but I'm not a workaholic. So he has just these basic questions of, so how much are you thinking about work when you're not at work? Oh, hmm. I think I'm thinking about work quite a bit. And then how often are you doing work-related things outside of normal work hours and what might be defined as you know, family or non-work time? Like some of these just really simple questions. You go, wow, okay. Other people might say, no, I'm definitely a workaholic. So again, if you had somebody in your life who could say, well, you know, the, the classic is all I, I say family's important, but I never show up for the games, I never do stuff, I never prioritize. I mean, that's, a, that's a simple one, right? People always say these things are important, and they all know to say, yes, of course, that's important. But if somebody said to you, do you really think you're living that out? Like, why did you make this decision like that? Like, you say it's important, yet you're prior to prioritizing certain things that are obviously taking you away, taking away from the things that are most important. So, so if you just think about that, so who's gonna, who, you know, ha, can you answer that question honestly? And who's the one, And see a lot of times we don't wanna answer, we don't wanna confront the questions. Yeah, that's a
1: challenging one. Uh, for me, it was uh, turning my phone off when I get home. You know, get home at five o'clock. Five to eight o'clock in my house. There's no phones. Turn it off. Because otherwise I'm on my phone texting, emailing, da-da-da-da-da, answering calls. And so I, that's, I had to live that exact one out. You know, family's important to me. And then you think about it. Well, how, how many times did I read the bedtime story to my kid in the last three months? Like sat in their bed and read them the story. And so that's, you know, for me, um, you got, everybody, everybody has probably heard uh, read the book, but uh, Boundaries by Henry Cloud was a really good book that I really enjoyed. If you haven't read it, I recommend that you read it. But it talks about having boundaries. It's okay to say no to things um, and being very clear on what those boundaries might be, whether it's you know family life, work life, church life. You know, We're not all too busy to go to shop at church on a Sunday, right? So um, we've got to have boundaries and put things in place so that we can be true to who we want to be. Because very easily, sometimes you look back and go, oh, I haven't become the person that I set up to become. Mm-hmm. Why not?
0: So just, before, just as we wrap up, I'll just throw one practical example of when you can speak into someone's life. And and maybe it'll be interesting or instructive for some people. So it comes from my own experience. So for 10 years I taught at Trinity Western University in the School of Business. And I would have the students come to me and sometimes ask me certain questions. And I thought, well this is quite interesting. They can't go, or they, they don't feel comfortable going to their parents or to maybe their pastor or someone else. But me as a professor at the School of Business, they come and ask me things and in my mind, I'm thinking, why are they asking me? But they're asking like serious life questions. So I'm using this as an example where if you think of people who could maybe speak into your life, think of someone who could maybe give you really valuable accurate input, but you maybe don't even know that well. So I'll just give you one, I think it's sort of comical, it was comical at the time and even in, in retrospect. So I'm a lawyer by background, I've got two law degrees, I was teaching business law, and so I was teaching this class on business law. So I have the students at Trinity, the school business would have to take that course. So it gives you a pretty good sense as to whether people, you know, if you did well in that course, yeah, it might mean something in terms of whether you want to go to law school. So I had a couple of, you know, students would come to me. So I had this one guy come to me and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking of going to law school, you think I should go? I looked, well, the guy did really well, I said, I said to him, absolutely, 100%, go to law school, you'll do, you'll do well, you'll get in, you'll do great, guaranteed. Like, I could say it so definitively. Well, why? Because I'd had 1,000 students over 10 years, so in my mind I've got 1,000 test results of all these people, and you're in the top 1 to 5%. It wasn't a genius move for me to say, absolutely. Now, I had another student, came to me and said, should I go to law school? And I had to hide the shock on my, I I would have been like, are you out of your mind? Because he didn't do well in the course. And I said, well, maybe think of other options. Then he came to me months later, or as well, six months later, I applied at all these law schools. And he said, you know, it's tough to get in. I'm thinking like, no kidding, you know, but, but just to say, So if you think in your life, are there people, it might be, you know, some business situation, might be a personal situation, might be a professional association where somebody can can assess your ability at something and compare it to a wide swath of people. So lots of places you can get mentors, good advice, get good input. So Graham, just as we wrap up, what are some, maybe a final thought on the value of, you know, mentor and having somebody get these questions in front of you? Yeah, I think we all know
1: that it's easier to do life as community, as team, than doing it by ourselves. We know all of our businesses, we might have a different nuance and different widget, but this has been done before. So let's think about who's done something that I want to be, and why wouldn't we ask them for advice to help us? Like, why, why go A to A, B, C when you can go A to C? So I think it's really important that us, you know, let's put our egos at the side. We don't know everything. None of us do. And so how do we propel ourselves forward you know, professionally, personally, um, spiritually, and, uh, and, 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 and rock it? So how, how do we do that? Well, we need to get advice. And you just talked about experience, right? So if someone who's been through that trenches and can, can tell you what not to do is more, far more valuable than telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. So and it, it just makes perfect sense. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it with others and visit our website for more free resources at elonetwork.org.